nor does it tribute almost any misfortune or disaster to the machinations of the Falmer or Snow Elves, be it crop failure, missing sheep, or a traveler lost crossing a high pass. These mythical beings are popularly believed to be the original elven population and are said to reside in the remote mountain vastness that covers most of Skyrim. Until recently, however, there had been little or no tangible evidence that the el this elven race survived outside the imaginations of superstitious villagers. Pocket Guide to the Empire, first edition. Welcome to Navi Tales, I'm Josh. I am Nick. And today we are continuing the Dwemer and diving into the Falmer. Yeah, more Elder Scrolls. <sighs> I can't wait for this one to be over. It's not because I, I dislike the Elder Scrolls, it's just dense. Yeah, it really is. It's way denser than I expected. It is very dense, yes, even, like, editing last week's episode. I was just like, damn, this is some shit. <laughs> uh, so if you're, like, hyper, hyper into lore, you'll love it. Like, I really like doing the research for this. But um, if, you, if you're just starting, I'd suggest you go to PT. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're going to pick up where we left off, talking about the language of the Dwemer. So both the Dwemer's language and writing system is referred to as Dwemerous. The language utilizes many Z's and D's in its form. Yes, it fucking does. Oh, yeah. The writing system was composed of and written as the Dwemer's own form of runes and glyphs, aesthetically similar to that of the Daedric alphabet, yet it was heavily based on the Aldemary language. Some forms of Dwemeris have been seen in the form of prefix prefixes, suffixes, and notable Dwemer names of various historical terms, such as Volan, meaning hammer, and fell, meaning city given Volenfell, City of the Hammer. Or Hammerfell, if you're a Redguard. Um, the Warhammer Volendrung had, has had its name translated into uh, Hammer of Might by Dwemer scholars and translators. The, na the nation of Hammerfell attributed its name to the Warhammer Volendrung. As Dwemer and Hammerfell lore history held that the chieftain of the Rorikin clan decided to move his people to a new location. So he threw that very Warhammer from Morrowind and would move to wherever it ended up. This was the site of the city of Volenfell in Hammerfell, hence the two locations' names. The name Falzer Dumden, based on observations of Dwemer's texts and inscriptions and uh, on tablets and walls in an unknown Dwemer city, has been revealed to be the Dwemer name for Black Reach. The five books, Divine Metaphysics, The Egg of Time, Hanging Gardens, Knock-Knock's Fire and Faith, and the Chronicle of Nuckleft were all possible to be translated by Dwemer scholars. Divine Metaphysics explained how the Dwemer created the Numidium and used Kagranach's tools on the heart of Lorcan. The Egg of Time was written by a dwarvish name who refuted the theories of Kagnarach. Uh, Hanging Gardens was a travel guide. Uh, Knock Knock's Fire and Faith was the tale of Knock Knock. And Chronicles of Nuckleft was a story detailing the assassination plot against the Dwemer Conference in Nuckleft. So we're going to dive into the philosophy and religion. I, I, I wanted to keep this in because the religion and philosophy of the fucking Dwemer was fascinating. I mean, any race that tries to create its own god is fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, there is no known story behind the Dwemer's disassociation with the uh, Aldmer and the Mer races, as their society contained very, sim very few similarities uh, with other uh, Mer races, other than some political and legal principles and aspects of their language and writing system. 
The Dwemer were also far different from any other race on Tamriel. Some scholars have stated that the Dwemer preferred the use of machines and tools to the use of magic, while there is still some evidence to suggest that the Dwemer also used magic. Dude, I reek right now. Gross. Yeah. Should've taken a shower like your mom told you to. Yeah, I should've taken a shower, but uh... Should've listened to your mom. I have no clean clothes. I'm doing laundry right now. These are my clean clothes. And I'm not even wearing a shirt. I'm just, like, completely unpresentable. You must think I'm a horrible host. Yeah. How could you do this to the beautiful listeners? (laughs) But at least you can see my tattoos. The nature of Dwemer religion and worship is unknown, but one can name their religion Negolithic Refusatronic World Naval Gazanism. Gazutite. However, it is recorded that they scorned the Daedra and the Nine Divines and essentially all of the gods, and attempted to defy them with their values of reason and logic. The Dwemer people apparently believed that their power rivaled the gods, a claim which some scholars agree may have led to their demise, some even going so far as to call them blasphemous. I feel like the Dwemer all wore trilbies. Yes. Fedoras. Referred (laughs) to uh, in their courting ritual involved m'lady. Milady. The Dwemer challenged the power and superiority of the Eta'ara, the Aedra, and Daedra, questioning their authority and traveled from Mundus into the outer realms of Aetherius and Oblivion. In their underground sanctuaries, the Dwemer studied powerful magical relics and researched powers that they believed could rival the gods themselves. The Dwemer religion, if there was one at all, has been said to be one of the most complex and difficult puzzles of Dwemer culture. During the Dawn Era, the Dwemer attempted to reach the state of immortality up to the point of their disappearance. They researched the fall of the Earth Bones and were essentially trying to reverse the effects for themselves to create immortality from the deaths of the Earth Bones. The Dwemer were trying to defy the gods while also attempting to recreate their powers. The book Divine Metaphysics explained how the Dwemer tried to forge a new god, an Anumium, an Anumidium, Anumidium. Anumidium. Anubis. Anubis. Temple of Anumidium. Temple of Anubis. Welcome to Temple of Anumidium. Prepare for attack. Imagine if... I'm just theorizing here. So the Dwemer created a bunch of machines and stuff. So what if the... Progression of the Dwemer society caused the future people to reverse engineer it, which started the robotic revolution that was Fallout. Yeah. Yeah, it's just reverse engineered Dwemer. Dwemer artifact. The power armor. Yeah, power armor is technically like a, like, great, 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 great grandson of the, uh, giant mechs that you fight yeah uh i don't remember what they're called yeah they're called uh something that begins with a c yeah those things the book divine metaphysics explained how the dwemer tried to forge a new god and umidium uh using kakarnak's tools and the sacred tones of the heart of lord khan it was unfashionable among the dwemer to view their spirits as synthetic constructs three four or forty Creational gradients below the divine. The Dwemer were, however, not unified in their thinking. Some opposed the research on the Elnofe and Earthbones, 
and the idea that the Dwemer race should be immortal. The ones who opposed this believed that using the power of Lorcan's heart was an unjustifiable risk. Later during the Battle of Red Mountain, Chief Tonal Architect uh, Kagranak made one last shot to succeed in bringing immortality to his people, and in doing so, caused the entire people to disappear. It is unknown whether he succeeded or failed. Though the ancient tales of the Dwemer book series is fictional and regarded by many scholars as labeling the Dwemer wrongly, the story Azura in the Box tells of a Dwemer scholar who did not believe in the gods and religion. In Azura in the Box, uh, Nickelbar met with his old friend, Athenic. Athenic. No, Athenic. I don't know. During their visit together, Nicobar told Athenic that he intended to discover the nature of divine power. Athenic protested, but from the ties of a great friendship, he reluctantly agreed to help his friend. Athenic summoned Azura, and when Azura appeared, she spoke to him. Azura, Athenic, and Nicobar discussed what might have been in the closed box that Athenic's students brought in. Azura said that there was a red-petaled flower in the box, but when Nicobar opened the box, he revealed to everybody in the room that the box was empty. When Azura was about to leave, she made a look that only Athenic saw, and then she left. For Athenic, he could not speak and was trembling. That night, Nicobar, who did not believe that the existence and power of the gods was legitimate, was found dead. It is possible that the Dwemer worship Mundus itself, theorized by some scholars from primary source texts found by a scholar and archaeologist Th uh, Gelian in Erkenthand. There were mixed ideas on the text. Some scholars believed that the text supported the idea that the Dwemer worshipped Mundus, while Gelian did not believe that the text supported the theory that the Dwemer worshipped Mundus, but rather that the text was related to civic and political matters. Okay. And with that, uh, we are going to move on to the Falmer, uh, which is much less dense uh, and a lot more interesting, in my opinion, because I have a theory that I literally just heard yesterday on it. Uh, but I want to give credit where credit's due. So uh, let's bring up Falmer lore. Let me bring up the video I watched <laughs> so that I can give credit. When I talk about my theory. Okay. That's up. That's up. The So now we're going to move on to the Falmer. So first we're going to talk about like basics on the Falmer. Then we're going to talk about origins and stuff. So The Falmer were once the Snow Elves until they lost a war with the Nords in the Merethic era. Forcing them to live underground with the Dwemer who blinded and enslaved them. Centuries of life underground have caused the Falmer to adapt to their harsh environment. While physically similar to other Mer, the Falmer have noticeably changed. Their skin is a pale grayish tone and they move with a hunched posture. Their most notable feature is their blindness. A layer of pinkish skin covers the vestigial eyes. However, their other senses have become extremely sensitive as a result. Unwary adventurers learn quick that the Falmer's blindness is no handicap in combat or crafting. The existence of the Falmer was once thought to be a myth. In recent times, however, they have made their presence known in gruesome fashion, butchering or enslaving every living thing they encounter. Whether anything of snow elf culture and civilization survives with, within them remains unknown. 
Some people assume that Falmer live longer lifespans than other Mur, given Night Paladin Gelibor's claim that he escaped the Nords over three eras ago. However, Gelibor is a unique case, being the last servant of Oriel. It is likely that Falmer had similar lifespans to other Mur, but this conclave were kept from death in order to serve Oriel. Now we're going to talk about their origins. Um, a common misconception among the people of Tamriel is that snow elves were tricked by the Dwemer into eating a mushroom native to only Black Reach, which turned them into the repulsive creatures they are today. However, an unsullied snow elf by the name of Knight Paladin Gelibor stated that with the little chance of survival, they willingly took, uh, took to servitude and the poison. Years of slavery and living underground turned them into the blind, sick, and twisted race that they currently are. Now we're going to talk about physiology. The Falmer's bodies are hideous, otherworldly corruptions of typical myrrh physiology. Living in cramped, dark caves all their lives has rendered their backs hunched, their joints heavily scarred, and their skin deathly pale. Their eyes are tiny and useless, though their ears are longer and more sensitive than those of their surface-dwelling cousins. Their noses are nothing more than thin, skeletal slits on their faces, and their teeth are jagged and rotten. Although a typical farmer may appear small and emaciated, they can be surprisingly quick on their feet and deliver quick, powerful blows with a sword. So, we're going to talk about their history. The Falmer were not always the hideous pale-skinned creatures that reside in ancient Dwemer ruins. They were once members of an even more ancient and powerful race known as the Snow Elves. Uh, beings of grace with wisdom beyond that of even the Altmir and the Bosmer that now populate Tamriel's woodlands. The Falmer's progenitors, now often referred to by the translation of the word Falmer, Snow Elves, were believed to be the first race of Mur in Skyrim, and were present long before the first Nords colonies established by Yisagramor. Yisagramor, but okay. Sure. <laughs> Their origin was part of the initial exodus of dissident Mur groups from the Somerset Isles, along with the Dwemer, Chimer, and Aeliads, although the only Myrrh to settle in Skyrim were the Snow Elves and later the Dwemer. Initial coexistence between men and original Falmer was largely peaceful. However, the peace was short-lived as an attack by Snow Elves destroyed the rapidly growing settlement of Sarthal. The event is known as the Night of Tears. This raid on Sarthal destroyed the entire population of the city save for Ysgrimor and his two sons, Yingle and Yilgar. The death of his countrymen prompted Ysgrimor to summon his 500 companions, the namesake and forebears of the companions in Whiterun, and vow to drive the Snow Elves from Skyrim forever. The Pocket Guide to the Empire, 1st Edition Skyrim, and Fall of the Snow Prince suggest that the conflict may have been related to the rapidly increasing Nord population and the struggle for control over territory and resources, which took the form of war, of a war of extermination. With both sides apparently pursuing the utter destruction of the, of the other. The Night of Tears, as well as the Imperial Report of Sarthal, suggest that the conflict may rather have been more specifically re related or escalated by the Falmer's desire to control, powerful, to, to control a powerful artifact uncovered by the Nord settlers and the Nords of Sarthal. 
uh, desired to keep such a power buried beneath the rocks and the soil of their city. The Thalmo representative Arcano, as well as the Sigic uh, Order member uh, Coronair, take actions and make statements giving credence to the theory that uh, this object, dubbed the Eye of Magnus, may have played an important role in the conflict. Just, like, crosses over with every fucking faction. What, the Eye? No, uh, the Snow Elves. Oh, yeah. They really, well, not every faction. The Thieves Guild and the uh, uh, Dark Brotherhood don't really cross over, and the Bard's College is barely a faction. <laughs> but they cross over with uh, the fucking Companions and the fucking College of Winterhold. Yeah. Um, whatever the true cause of this conflict may have been, Ysgrimor and the 500 Companions were ultimately successful in pursuing their aggressive campaign of revenge. Eventually, the former had been driven back to the island of Solstheim, where one final battle was to be recorded. Known as the Battle of the Mosring, the fighting culminated in the death of one of the most fearsome snow elf warriors, the Snow Prince, at the hands of a grief-stricken 12-year-old Nord girl. This broke the spirit of the last recorded former surface forces, and the remaining snow elves fled or were promptly cut down. This marked their last significant recorded presence on the surface. Though they persist on the surface as characters in legend and folklore to play the roles of antagonists and boogeymen, it was commonly believed that they had been killed off by the ancient Nords. They are briefly mentioned in the book Aviar Stone Singer, in which they are presented as enemies of the protagonist and lesser servants of the adversary, a possible skull representative of Sithis. Oh, that's where it crosses over with the Dark Brotherhood. No, really. Oh, they, there it is. If they're servants of Sithis, that'd be Dark Brotherhood. Yeah. Hail Sithis. <laughs> Hail Sithis. Um, historians such as the writers of the Pocket Guide had long insisted that the Falmer were extinct and any supposed sightings were merely tall tales inspired by common folklore. This presumption of extinction and dismissal of sightings was later found to be wrong. The Snow Elves did not completely die off after the Battle of Mosring. Scattered and without a recorded leader, the Snow Elves fled underground. There they met the Dwemer, commonly known as Dwarves, whose mastery of tonal architecture and fearsome weapons held the promise of safety beyond the reach of man. These refugees were, according to the Falmer, a study, deceived by their supposed protectors. Mistrustful of their Snow Elf guests, the Dwemer forced them to eat toxic fungi native to Blackreach, which made them blind and powerless. Through treachery, the last of the Snow Elves were made servants and slaves to those who posed as their saviors. Thus, the Snow Elves transformed into their current form, the Falmer. The Dwemer kept this fungus as a primary part of the Falmer's diet, ensuring not only the blindness of their, of their current Falmer slaves, but also the blindness of all their descendants. The cruel and destructive methods used to oppress the Falmer did not prove sufficient to keep them in bonded servitude forever. Generations after their ancestors' enslavement at the hands of their rescuers, the Falmer gained an immense amount of advancement in their own senses besides their sight, such as their scent and their hearing. They also remained able to communicate with each other through speech, and this allowed them to swiftly rise up against the Dwemer and flee to the darker places deep underground. From there, they waged a bloody campaign against their former oppressors in what was called the War of the Crag. This war ended abruptly when the forces of the Falmer went to meet their former captors in battle, only to find the Dwemer had vanished. 
Though the Dwemer have long since vanished into legend, their mechanical centurions and devious traps are not the only deadly legacy they left behind. In the present day, the Falmer's legendary cruelty and will to dominate lives on. Many a minor adventurer, archaeologist, and smuggler have met death or slavery at the hands of these tragic products of dwarven hubris. Scenes of torn and tortured prisoners, some captured in Dwemer ruins which the Falmer inhabit, and others kidnapped and brought down from the surface, serve as testament to the hatred and bloodlust which drives them to this day. Some encounters date back to the Second Era. The author of The Falmer, a study, Ursa Ur Uthrex, states that these incidents have been dramatically increasing in frequency, sophistication, boldness, and scale in recent years. The scale and nature of the threat they pose is unclear, but the gruesome scenes which characterize their presence leave no doubt as to their hostility. Journals recovered from their victims, explorers, bandits, and lowly trade folk alike reveal that their blindness persists and can render a quiet adventure nearly invincible. They display keen hearing, however, and often employ ambush tactics, having been described as dropping from the ceiling behind their victims as they pass beneath them. In addition to the fungus which sustained and blinded their ancestors, they also have been found to raise and kennel venomous uh, charas breeds, from which they fashion effective, though primitive, armor. Though they show little signs of cultural sophistication, there are many accounts of Falmer displaying an aptitude for frost and lightning magic. The journals of those they have slain have also made note that they have retained the resistance to cold and vulnerability to fire possessed by their ancestors, even though they have been robbed of nearly all the rest of their ancient heritage. The Falmer society seems to be nomadic in nature, herding their livestock from one place to another. This is supported by the apparent relationship between the Falmer, the Charis, and Skeevers, who act as domesticated cattle. The Falmer would be characterized as herdsmen who follow their herds, usually living in tents with few things inside. The Falmer do not seem to be sedentary, from lack of evidence of agriculture and their widespread use of tents, even though they occupy several Dwemer ruins. Almost all Falmer technology and architecture is constructed from the carpuses of the giant subterranean anthropods the Falmer share their home with. Most notably among these are the Charis, an insect the Falmer have domesticated for its chitin, poison, and rendering limbs. Um, weapons, armor, shelters, fences, and chests are all constructed from the chitin of domesticated Charis. Other species of giant insects serve as frameworks for the Falmer tents, and dwellings. Some smaller tents seem to be constructed from insect abdomens, and enormous charis or scorpion-like creatures can be seen you can be seen being used as frameworks for the largest Falmer tents. How the Falmer are able to tame such highly aggressive and deadly creatures is entirely unknown. The Falmer have been known to tame frostbite spiders occasionally as well. Although they are most numerous within Dwemer ruins, they do not appear to use scavenged dwarven weapons or armor aside from the rare use of non-falmer arrows due to the randomized ammunition types of all archer classes. 
Uh, Falmer also appeared to store some liquid in urns, most likely for storing Karas poison or water. Unfortunately, though, these cannot be obtained in-game. They also seem to have an advanced understanding of alchemy. Poisons are a major part of their weapons, and well-stocked alchemy stations can be found in many Falmer habitations. The Falmer also sometimes appear to keep farms near their living areas, such as small pens containing skeevers or small Karas, and fenced areas with mushroom patches. Okay. So the theory I heard yesterday. So I watch a YouTuber. Um, fuck me. So I watch a YouTuber by the name of the Epic Nate three one five. He does a fuckload of Skyrim videos, and his video yesterday, uh, or yesterday as the day of recording this is Skyrim five spooky theories crazy enough to be true. The Elder Scrolls five lore part four. Uh, he does alternating ones, and, and he really goes hard. Yeah. So one of his theories was about the blindness of the Falmer and why the Dwemer would do that if they're enslaving them. The theory he talks about is the Dwemer were working on something the Falmer, they didn't want the Falmer to see. Hmm. Because, like, let's be honest, like, if they're going to enslave someone, like an entire race, um, you don't, you want them to be able to see Yeah, that that's like a really important sense in work unless you don't want them to see what you're working on. Right. So that is why I think the, and the timelines match up by the time the former uprising was about to happen was when the dwarves had finished working on their robot God, which was called, um, they had finished working on, we just fucking said it, um, Enemidium. So the, my, the theory was that the Falmer unknowingly were working on both the Heart of Lorcan and Enemidium. Because they, the Dwemer didn't want them to see them literally creating a god out of the heart of a dead one. Yeah. So, and I went. That makes perfect fucking sense. No, it really does. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah. No, that makes really good sense. Because, like, the, like it, it, it has never made sense to me why they would do that. Like, it made sense to me why the Falmer would willingly blind themselves. Because it was blindness or death. Yeah. So we'll take blindness. But it never made sense to me why the dwarves would offer that to begin with. So, yeah, it, it just makes perfect sense looking at both that, like... The Falmer helped make Animidium. Yeah, but they didn't know because they couldn't see they it. They didn't know it. <laughs> it just, it like, it clicked when he said that. I was like, no shit, that makes perfect fucking sense. Yeah, really. Why wouldn't I have thought of that? So that's why, first off, the Falmer and the dwarves uh, in later eras are really bound because, because of that. But, like, even the timeline matches up so fucking perfect. Like, there's no way, that's exactly what they were doing, but yeah. it's never explicitly said. Right. And, like, they feel unrelated, because, like, oh, the dwarves made Animidium. Yeah. But they didn't make it alone. Yeah. They <laughs> just didn't want the Falmer to see how to make a fucking god. Right. Like. <laughs> yeah. No, they probably, yeah, they probably definitely did that. Yeah, they, there's no way. That was definitely, and, like, someone at Bethesda, Todd Howard is going, yeah, no shit. <laughs> like I fucking knew that. Oh, shit, no, masses. But like to me, I was like, it was like turning on a light. I was like, fuck, man, that was so easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Like, ah. So so that was the theory I, he one of the theories he talked about on his video yesterday. He has a lot of really interesting theories like that. Like he's got a theory that Hermaeus Mora doesn't have Daedra. Mm. That the seekers and lurkers are seekers are servants of Hermaeus Mora who go to his realm and never leave. Because people have gone to his realm and stayed there. Yeah. And gone mad. Right. Because it's Hermaeus Mora. But like they've gone there for the knowledge. And like as they've been, spent centuries and centuries there, they've slowly turned into uh, seekers. And the fact that you get slaughterfish scales off of lurkers are kind of like Hermaeus Mora's just fucking around and making slaughterfish into lurkers. Like they, they also, the other thing you talked about in the video is you can't use the banished Daedra spell on lurkers because they're not Daedra. Yeah. And, and the same thing goes for seekers. They're not Daedra. So Hermaeus Mora doesn't actually use Daedra. He just like uses his own stuff, which like is kind of fucking cool. First off, Hermaeus Mora was my favorite anyway, because he's the Lovecraft god. Yeah. But um Yeah. So so like if you ever want to see like some cool theories and stuck stuff, check out the Epic Nate 315. He's got some cool stuff. And he's also got like a bunch of videos of just like Things you might not might not have noticed in the in Skyrim. Like he's still making this video came out yesterday. He's still making these because there's so much kind of unseen content or uh, implied content and theories and stuff. And it's really really interesting. And his videos are very high quality and very well made. So uh, I I really I support this guy. And not that I need to. The video that came out yesterday has got ninety five thousand views. So yeah. Um. But yeah, the, it's it's pretty neat. Uh, so do you got anything else about dwarves or snow elves? No, I think that's it. Yeah, me too. So, like we like to end every episode, Nick, what have you been playing? I've been playing some Splatoon 2, no surprise there. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, 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 I am climbing up out of the underground. <laughs> In the Octo expansion, currently, and I, there was like a couple other levels that I have to beat. Did you see what I picked up? Oh, very nice. I picked up Pearl and Marina amiibos. Nice. So yeah, I've been doing that. And then last weekend was the last weekend of this recording. Uh, at the time of this recording was uh, Go Fest in Chicago for Pokemon Go. So to celebrate that. Um, for all us people who couldn't get Celebi and Torkoals and Unknowns because we weren't at the we weren't in Chicago, um, they released a shit ton of Pokemon. Like they boosted a shit ton of that was fucking awesome. It was so great. I walked out of the weekend with a Milotic, a Flygon, a Glalie, all three Hoenn starters. Um, yeah, I like four shiny Plusle, two shiny Minum. Fuck, you go fucking hard, dude. And like, I went as hard as I could. I got a, a shiny plusle, I got a blaziken, and I got a bunch of candies for everything else. But I, like, I didn't evolve anything else. It was pretty great. Yeah, and, and like they also released. Uh, that was the weekend after the release of Minun and Plusle shinies, and the release they, were, they released it for that. Yeah, and the release of the uh, Alolan Diglett and Geodude and that, the evolution. That's right. I forgot about those. I have a diglet i didn't evolve it yet because it, the one i caught sucked yeah my see here's my thing i'll get to okay so i caught a diglet and it sucked i caught a geodude and it was pretty good so now i have a, a lowland golem 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 the thing that pissed me off was like and they brought back executor um 
I went to the park both both days, Saturday and Sunday, for about like an hour each. And the entire time I was at the park, not a single Alolan showed up. I fucking know, dude. But like, I, if I was driving around my neighborhood, they'd be on the radar. Yeah, I they were in my neighborhood, but I was at the uh, the local park to here, um, with uh, a friend of ours on Saturday night, and like that's where like. I I walked into that weekend without owning a Torchic, and I walked out of that park having a Blaziken. Like, that's how many we encountered. No Alolan. Well, that's not true. There were no Alolan Geodudes. We actually encountered, towards the end of our time there, we encountered Alolan Diglets. I didn't see any Alolan while I was at the park. It was always, as soon as I left the park and drove down the street, Which Geodude park was it? was it? Slater. Okay, so you went to Slater. Uh, if you were local Rhode Island people, Nick went to Slater, I went to Roger Williams. So... But yeah, that was the only thing. I mean, at least I still got a good Geodude, but I couldn't, like, farm for a good Diglett. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that. I think, And then uh, tomorrow at the timing of this recording, so when this episode comes out, it already would have happened. They are swapping. Oh, yeah, I didn't get to do any Lugia raids, which was kind of upsetting. I did one, but I didn't beat it. Because I, I, the only people there, like, were my brother and I. Oh. So, like, I was like, oh... We're not going to beat this. No. But like Daniel never done a raid. He goes, can we try it anyway? I was like, yeah, dude. Like, I'll try it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they swapped Red Dress out for Lugia for the weekend. And I already have a Lugia from when it first came out, but I wanted to try and get a shiny one, but I just didn't see any. Yeah. Um, so starting tomorrow, they're switching out Reg Ice for Registeel. And they're adding Alolan Raichu to raids. And he's going to be a three-star raid. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I'm assuming they're going to do the same with Marowak at some point. Oh, God, I hope so. I want the Marowak so good. When I... So, before I dive into what I've been playing, I'll talk about Pokemon Go, just to link it. Uh, I had an EX raid for today. It was my first EX raid. Uh, so I caught a Mewtwo, which is pretty exciting. Hung out with some people on my lunch break there. There was, there's, You know how there's always those people that are organizing things, the people that are in on the Discord server we're on? Yeah. So, like, I went there, and they, like, had donuts and stuff for everyone. It was a fucking party. I was just like, man, this community's pretty dope. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> like, they brought donuts for everyone. <laughs> but, and, like, I told them I was just, like, I, I wasn't super talkative, because, like, I had, I was kind of like, let's get on with this because yeah. I have a half hour. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but like after they caught it, I still had time and I was just like, yeah, that was my first one. And everyone was like, no kidding, that's awesome. <laughs> was, everyone's like, we have 10. Yeah, everyone's like, we got 10. And I was like, yeah, that's my first. I just got back into it. And they were all like hyped and stuff that it was my first when I was leaving. They were like, congrats. I was like, yeah, but you all caught it like your eighth. Yeah. But like, it's just really cool that the Pokemon Go community is as tight as it is. Yeah, I was uh, I was doing a Red Ice raid yesterday just because it was there, and like there was this guy, and I was like, "Oh, did you do it?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm doing it right now." He's like, "But we're about to lose. This is like my third attempt, and I like don't have a Red Ice, and we knew it was uh, going away today." And he was he was just like, "I was like, how many people do you are you doing it with?" He's like, "There's nine. and I was like, "You can't beat it." And he's like, "No, everybody's like." low 20s or below and i was like shit i was like dude i'll help you out and i helped him and we beat it and he caught it it was just like and he awesome. didn't have one like i had two and i already i didn't catch it but like i didn't care because that guy got one yeah and even like this past community day like we ended up like going the same route as a couple people so we all stuck together and when we split up that we knew that there was a raid starting at this specific place and they were like meet back here when the raid starts i was like yeah, yeah, yeah. and we like met back there when the raid started it was it's just fucking cool yeah it was like the um uh... 
actually, the, which I'm going to have to do again uh, this weekend, um, when they did the Articuno raids for Saturday, people would just start on one side of the park, just a group of people, and you just move from gym to gym with the same people and just like, all right, is everybody good? All right, let's go to the next one. Yeah. You just kept doing Articunos until you got like a shiny and wanted to stop. Yeah, or... it, it inadvertently builds a community with people and like i don't know any of those people i haven't talked to them since but like you're just all there for the same reason even like when i went to go do that lugia raid with my brother because we were like driving by roger williams and i saw it and i was like i want to go see if there's people there want to give it a shot because it just just like it, it probably been open for about 15 minutes yeah so i was just like okay cool what like want to go check and he's like yeah, yeah, yeah so we go there and there was really like everyone had left and it was two guys still there and i was like have you done the raid and they were like yeah sorry dude i was like it's all good but like, you just like walk up and I'm like, you do the raid? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> like I knew what they were there for. Yeah. It's like the exact thing. So the the EX raid was at a gazebo. So I, I pull in, I get out of my car and there's just like a group of people on their phones. And I was like, I know where I gotta be. <laughs> so it's just cool. I, I, I really do like the fact that Pokemon Go has got a community. And also like, we got a group chat going on with a couple friends of ours that like just all it, all, it is exclusively Pokemon Go. Yeah. Like it's not one of those chats that like really have developed. You know how group chat, you get into a group chat, slowly develops into memes. Yeah. Like this one is just exclusively Pokemon Go with like every now and then a Pokemon Go joke. So like that Bulbasaur I threw in there the other day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, put, I threw in a picture of Bulbasaur that had the face of one of the Titans from Attack on Titan. And I went, look what I got. And then I, I just followed up with that with, I think it's a shiny. <laughs> like, I think I found a shiny. So yeah, I, I've really liked getting back into this game. Uh, and as far as normal games I've been playing, non-mobile games, uh, this is Fortnite. This is a new season. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new season. I've been playing Fortnite. You're just playing some Fortnite. I have a Viking as my character. I'm pretty hyped. <laughs> so yeah, I've just been playing Fortnite. Um, Which... I haven't gotten bored of yet, and I'm getting better and better. Like, the last couple times I've played, I've been in the top five. There you go. Like, just fucking shit. Because I'm playing solos. I'm just fucking shit up. But, yeah, so that's been fun. Um, Again, I like Fortnite for the same reason I like Splatoon. Like, I can get into a game, play one game, and be like, I am satisfied. So I I don't have to wait for a billion things to load. I can just get into a game, play a game, and be like, nope, bye. I'm good. So, because I, I don't always have free time back to back to back. So, like, I came home from, from work today and I played, like, a match with Splatoon. I was like, fuck yeah. Um, and then uh, D&D, we actually got together again. Oh, yeah. Uh, I really, really liked our last session. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, it was no combat. Yeah, absolutely didn't, zero combat. We didn't fight a single thing. All city life and social interactions. And it was a blast. Yeah. I had so much fun. And we were just doing like things that really fit our characters. Like you were looking for books. Granted, the books were so we could bring back the lifeless head that hangs by my waist. Like my character was making things worse. I go into that. We go into the city and I almost immediately get arrested because yep. someone tried to touch the uh, tressum on my shoulder and it was a guard and I slapped him away. So I immediately got arrested. Um... <laughs> And then we ended up at a bar where, like, we told the owner what had happened to his family, and then he got shit-faced drunk. Yep. And passed and, out. And passed out, and then we had to run the bar. <laughs> it was great. And, like, I'm in the back room, and, like, our character interactions were so fun. Like, like I come out of the back room, I didn't break a single dish. <laughs> like, 
being the half-orc barbarian who's just like this lovable oaf that I've slowly turned my character into. Um, and then we had like that 20 minutes of us just making book puns. Yeah. That was so funny. We ha- we have some. I know Jess saved some in our in our uh group. Hold up. Her out of context D&D. So your tomato and you, pumpkins a sermon, 100 ways, 100 ways to plant your seed. Like, just like book, pu- book plant puns. Yeah, because they were like super like into crops at this place. So I had a lot of books on crops and stuff. So oh, we were just making jokes. My character kept leaning over to Nick's character and going, remember that time I almost got arrested? <laughs> oh, and then we had to renounce our plan because Nick and I have had plans for like months now. Because I chopped off the head of a goblin named Longo. We've had plans for months to resurrect this motherfucker so we can have a goblin pet. But, like, it's just the head. Yeah. So we're trying to find out how to do that, but none of the rest of the party really knew. So, But, like, we told them yesterday, and Bro is our dungeon master, was just astonished that we were trying to do this. Yeah. He was just, like, in awe. <laughs> yeah, one of the, the out-of-context D&D quotes. We're on a mission to revive Longo. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Um, the, uh, I also got a pet. Yeah, Josh got to keep the Tressum. I got to keep the Tressum, so I have a Tressum as a pet now. And then th- another great out-of-context quote. I'm literally going to piss myself right now. Was that in or out of game? This is when, like, bros giving me the Tressum. Yeah. I lost my fucking mind, dude. I'm so excited. I'm just like this big, scary looking half-orc. Cheesing super hard. Just cheesing super hard because I got a fucking Tressum pet now. Uh, If you don't know what a Tressum is, it's a house cat with wings. Um, And as the person I am, which is a cat person, I'm just excited. Uh, But like when we were kind of hanging out in the bar waiting for the bartender to revive himself, we all really fell into our characters hard, which I really enjoyed the, yeah. the role playing aspect. So like Casey as her rogue is fucking swindling people yes. out of lots of money. Yeah. Then uses the gold she swindles people out of to buy my character like six drinks. So I go hard. Don't like I'm drunk, but like I my constitution's out of the fucking mind because I'm a barbarian. So I was able to get a bunch of shit. Like you were asking people about like where to go for certain tomes and stuff. The bard was playing music. Like, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really cool. Like, it, it, I really felt satisfied with this last session. Yeah, it was very satisfying to just, like, really explore and do stuff other than hitting things really hard. Yeah, and, like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love hitting things in dungeon, Dungeons & Dragons, but I can't tell which I love more. Like, I really do like the combat in D&D, but yeah. I can't tell if I like the combat more or this more. Like, it just really, like, you. we really got to... We really got to roleplay our characters. Yeah, I think we haven't been able to do that too much because we've been kind of like on the road a lot and like yeah. traveling. So like we were like in one spot for like a really long time. So it was good. And like in a, in a city, because uh, the only other place we've been is like was destroyed. The, the village yeah. was destroyed, so there's nobody really to interact with. Yeah, but I, I think it was, in, you know, I, th- I think I'm glad that I got myself arrested early on because our rogue was going to get herself arrested if I yeah. didn't. Because <laughs> if I didn't, so. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, that, was a, that was a lot of fun. 
Uh, so that's all I got. Yes, sounds good. Um, check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore Tales again at Navi underscore Tales. Um, send us a picture of your snow elves. Uh, <laughs> Whatever that means to you. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Bye. Love you. Nords attribute almost any misfortune or disaster to the ma machinations. Machinations. <laughs> Macaroni. The name Fals. Far Fowls are dumbed in. Fowls are dumbed in. Yeah, that's really the name, and I fucking love that name, man. I'm so mad you were the first one to read it, because Fowls are dumbed in is fucking great. And Chronicles of Neckleft. What the fuck? Thank you. Fuck. Oh, good. Punch the mic. Great idea. Oh, yeah, that's a good vape. I like how I blew that right through my pop filter. <laughs> that's a good vape, man. That's a good hit. During the Dawn era, the Dwemer attempted to reach the state of immortality. Uh, no. Yes, actually. <laughs> yeah, you were perfectly right. Um, in recent times, however, they have made their presence known in gruesome, gruesome, gruesome fashion. However, Gelibor's unique case being the last servant of Oriel, it is likely that Falmer had similar life. Mm -mm. However, Gelibor is a unique case being the last servant of Oriel. It is likely that Falmer had similar lifespans to other Myrrh, but this conclave... Yeah, that's actually right. Fuck me. No, that was an invitation. Living in cramped, dark caves all their lives has rendered their backs hunched. I don't even know what happened there. <laughs> Many a minor adventurer, archaeologist, and smuggler have met death or slavery at the hands of these tragic prud... Fuck. This is supported by the apparent the author of The Falmer, A Study, Ursa Earth That. Something. <laughs>